So we're beginning today the anatomy of the soul. When we say soul, it's almost such a nebulous concept that it's hard to get your mind around what are we talking about. And so the purpose of this series of classes is to give us the tools to really, really begin to understand. I wouldn't wouldn't say totally understand, but to begin to understand when we talk about the soul, what are we talking about? And especially, what are the powers of the soul? And what are the garments of the soul? So I'm going to start with uh, a definition from Rob Ginsburg on what the soul is. And he doesn't address it directly, but hopefully by the end of a series of classes, we, we will be able to address it directly. His first explanation of the soul is that the soul is the intermediary between the world and God. I have to think about that for a second. Here, we can also put the body and God. That the soul becomes the active, creative vehicle in which all the worlds are connected. Now, we see this from Hasidut to quantum physics. Quantum physics today speaks about consciousness and the role of consciousness in not only determining but actually creating reality. Now the concepts here that we're talking about are are super spiritual and super mystical. When you actually read what quantum physics is now saying about human consciousness, you would think you're reading Kabbalah. It's quite amazing. And in quantum physics also, consciousness becomes the almost the key component of determining what reality is. Now this idea of the soul being an intermediary between the world and God is based on the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, and it's actually on the back of this book, uh, the Alephet, which is based on this letter from the the Baal Shem Tov that he wrote to his brother-in-law, of Gershon. But in it he explains that on Rosh Hashanah he had what's called an Aliyat Neshama, an elevation of soul. And he found himself in the presence of the soul of the Mashiach. And he asked, as one of the sages in the Gomorrah asked the same thing in the same circumstances. He had an Aliyat Neshama 2,000 years ago. He found himself in the presence of of the soul of Mashiach and he asked when are you coming? When are you coming? And in the case of the Baal Shem Tov so he asked the same question and replied with three of the maybe most important words in, in Hasidus is When the wellsprings of your teachings spread to the, the most distant uh, places to the farthest extremes. And the Mashiach continued to teach him certain secrets. And he told his brother-in-law, I can't reveal to you everything, 
But what I can reveal to you is in every letter and every word of the Torah, there are worlds, souls, and divinity. And this became a cornerstone of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov in order to train our minds to experience the world on three simultaneous levels. It's very similar to when we learn Torah and we're told that there are four levels of learning which are called pardes, pshat, remez, jush, and sod. The simple meaning, the alluded to meaning, the allegorical meaning, and the secret mystical meaning. But we're told that we should be learning on all four levels at the same time. They're, they're not divisible. They're all unified and connected. So the Baal Shem is teaching that reality is made up of the physical world, and then what we call souls, and then what we call godliness. And the soul is the intermediary between godliness and physicality. The soul becomes the, actually the uniting vehicle between physical and spiritual. So that's an introductory uh, definition of soul. Now obviously if you ask a hundred people you get a hundred definitions of soul. But this is the one that, we're, that we're, we're starting with. So the first thing to know, and this is something that, that Rabbi Shlomo, he taught, in a sense, through example, two of the most important teachings of the Baal Shem Tov were that the soul is a chalak me'alokah mima'al an actual portion of God above, to which the altar Rebbe added one word, mamish. That's how he would say it. He would say the soul is an actual part of God for real. And for those who still have, have, have tapes or videos of Rav Shlomo, so Rav Shlomo's teachings were not, in most parts, were not geared for the intellect not to say they weren't intellectual not to say they weren't brilliant but his he felt his purpose was to bring these teachings down onto a level that whoever is sitting there Jew, non-Jew you know the whole Talmud and you don't know what the Olivet is and everyone could understand at the same time what you're teaching so Rabbi Shlomo wasn't teaching so much about what, in a sense, what we're going to be learning about the anatomy of the soul, but he would try to present an experience of feeling the soul. Because when we're saying that the, that the soul is an actual part of God above, so Reb Shlomo would say, we have to open our hearts and and get to the deepest depths of our neshama. So he coined it in a way that when you were listening to the music, so you could actually feel that the soul is an actual part of God above. Right? But everyone everyone approaches 
Torah and life from their own avenue or from whatever glasses that they're wearing. Everyone wears shaded glasses and it's shaded according to our perspective, our worldview. And that's how we're going to see everything. So some people, their avenue is to the heart. And other people, it's to the mind. So the goal, obviously, is to unite unite both of them together. But this teaching of the Baal Shem Tov is, is critical to understanding the soul. That the soul is an actual part of God above. His second teaching was that every person has a messianic spark. Everyone has heard that there are different levels of the soul. And outside of Hasidic thought, usually only three levels are spoken about. Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. Hasidic thought didn't make this up, but it, it made it accessible. It's actually uh, based on a uh, Midrash, Bereshit Rabbah, where it says the soul is called by five names. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, and Yechida. So the important thing to understand is that this concept of five names of the soul goes back approximately 2,000 years. And they received it. They didn't like pluck it out of the air. They received a tradition that there are five names of the soul. So it's understood in Hasidut, it's not calling the same thing by five different names. And it says that the soul is called by five names means that there are five levels to the soul. So we'll start with nefesh. That nefesh is what we will call the animal soul. That's the term that is given in Hasidut, is the animal soul. Animals also have a nefesh. And this level of soul is not negative and is not bad. It is what it is. In other words, just like an animal is programmed for two things, pleasure and survival. Animals operate virtually exclusively, even though in a second we'll see that even animals have a certain level of emotion and a certain level of intellect also. But they are being driven by two principles, and these principles are, as it were, in the blood, meaning they're totally instinctual, totally behavioristic. So the same thing in a human being. In a human being, we have an instinctual and behavioristic side of ourselves. But again, this is not a negative thing to say. It's negative if we don't access any other level of soul. And at this point, I have to say that even though it doesn't sound so good, or perhaps so nice, but the vast majority of human beings on the planet operate almost, I won't say exclusively, but almost solely from the level of nefesh. Even though people are dressed up 
in all kinds of uh, uh, clothings and even perhaps have lots of have lots of money, high positions, whatever it is. It's not to say that they, they don't have intellectual emotions. They do. But we're talking about what is driving a person. We have to look at our our behavior, our goals, our our manner of acting in the world and start to ask ourselves what is motivating our actions in the world? Where are we coming from? So the nefesh is what we'll call the lower soul. The ruach is connected to the emotional complexity of a human being. The ruach is touching the what we call the heart. The neshama, which is maybe the most popular word for soul, in, in all Kabbalistic and Hasidic texts, is talking specifically about the intellect. That's why actually when you put tefillin on in the morning, it actually even says it specifically. And I'm putting the tefillin on the head in a, a specific place because that's where the neshama is resting. It doesn't mean physically resting, right? But that's where the neshama is resting. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Rob Ginsburg consi- considers all three of these, this is a little bit different than most people think, even the ruach and the neshama, he calls the level of worlds. Even the neshama is still very, very connected to the world because our intellect is formed by our experiences in the world and it functions within the world of course our emotions are super connected to our instincts and our our behavioristic nature that's more obvious as we'll see as we progress the emotions can be purified to an incredibly high high level very high level but if not worked upon our gut our gut instincts drives our emotions and that's that is is a work of a lifetime but Shlomo used to bring the story that uh, one of the Rebbe's said that it's easier to learn the entire Shas to learn all the tractates of the Gemara, then to change one inbred characteristic. Why? Because if you do Daf Yomi, you can learn the whole Shas in seven years. But if if you're born with, let's say, a propensity for anger, right from the time you're a little kid, that you have the streak of anger or jealousy or small-mindedness or insecurity, whatever it is, does anyone think only seven years will change that? You have to work on it a lifetime. Every Rosh Hashanah, don't we come back to some of the same issues every year? There's new issues. Every, Every day there's new issues. Every hour there's new issues. 
But everyone knows, right? We think we did tshuva, and a year later, there it is again. But Rabbi Nachman said that's not a bad thing. Right? He, he called this doing tshuva on your tshuva. Why? Because hopefully this year, when I'm approaching Rosh Hashanah, I'm hopefully at such a higher level than last year. So now when I revisit something that I really did tshuva with my entire heart last year, I really did. But hopefully my heart is that much bigger this year. My consciousness is so much bigger. So now I'm, I'm like revisiting it. And now I'm going to do tshuva on an even higher level. Now the last two, so this is the essence, the essence of the soul that we're talking about as a level other than worlds. And this is Chaya and Yechida. Chaya comes from the word Chai, life force. Here we're not talking about really the physical life force, even though the soul does give life force to the body. But here we're talking about spiritual life force. This is where a person begins to tap in to the life force that God is streaming through their soul. This is what's called Chaya. And Chaya is very connected to, here it says, an awareness of God. This is, again, not that we don't have an awareness of God in our nefesh, ruach, and neshama. We most certainly do. We most certainly do. But here we're talking about what's called not so much unconscious or subconscious, we're talking about superconscious. Meaning the, the life force that is the soul, that is the chalak me'alokam mima'al, that's the actual part of God above. This is where we start to touch with the soul as well. And like I said in the beginning, this is, this is what Rev Shlomo was trying to give over not so much in, in words, but in the experience of feeling it. Because as we know, we could theoretically talk for weeks or years about the finest points of the soul from every Kabbalistic source we, can, we could bring. But that doesn't mean someone's going to actually feel it that's going to touch their neshama. So how did Rabbi Shlomo used to say it? And I found, this is one of my happiest moments, is I found that the Shlomo Rebbe said the exact same thing. Rabbi Shlomo used to say this in a hundred different ways, if not a thousand different ways. But he used to say, someone could keep the entire Torah, the whole Shulchan Aruch, backwards, forwards, inside, out and not have an inkling of what God is about. He said it shouldn't be that way but it's possible. That's what he used to say. He said it's possible. He didn't want to say it because it it should be if if we're learning Torah and we're davening, we're keeping mitzvah, we're going to be so connected to God. But he was just saying it's possible that you could be totally disconnected and yet do every process. The same thing here. We could learn 
And when we learn this here, we're going to be getting into real details here. And they're very, very, very helpful. But that's not going to guarantee that we're going to be able to integrate it and that it will touch, actually touch our Nesama. So the Slonimer Rebbe said it like this. He said, when I, when I, the first time I read it, I like, I like jumped out of my seat. Wow! He said, a person can keep every law of Shabbos, but not with Simcha. You know, there's no joy in it. So he said, this person will, will inherit his portion of the world to come. He said, but you know what? In the world to come, he'll be a park bench. He'll be static. He'll be a park bench. He'll get there, but because he kept Torah in a static, unmovable way, and Shabbos didn't move him. He didn't like jump up and down on Shabbos because it's Shabbos. He said, so he'll be a park bench. So when I read that, I like, oh, oh. <laughs> So that's Chaya, awareness. We become aware of the life force, the Chai, that is animating our Neshama. Animating our Neshama. And then the highest level of soul is called Yechida. Yechida comes from the word unique or solitary and this means what we call the pintalayid the spark of, of of a Jew that is in us but on a deeper level it means the spark of God that is within us this is where this is what was called the bridge between God and the soul, as we said, that the soul is an actual part of God. The Yechida is where we access it, where we feel it, where it enlightens us. So this was very, very uh, quickly the, the five levels of soul. As we learn the anatomy of the soul, we'll see where these five levels play themselves out. But this understanding is very, very, very important. And in fact, the, the mystical meaning of dreams, the book I wrote on dreams, the entire book explains dreams according to these five levels. In other words, if a person can identify where in the soul this dream is coming from, then they have the, the key to uh, interpret it. If you don't know where it's coming from, then you don't really, it's very, very hard to make heads or tails. But if you can learn, first of all, through understanding the five levels of soul, first you have to and understand the five levels of soul and then when you have a dream if you can understand what's fueling it right is it coming from my gut is it coming from my heart is it coming from my anger 
coming from my frustration? Is it coming from my intellect? Is it coming from my superconscious, where we're starting to touch prophecy? Or is it coming straight from God, like a message from God for me? So I'm only mentioning that because this idea of the five levels of the soul as anything in Kabbalah and Hasidut has to be from the practical to the mystical. In other words, we have to be able to take these teachings and apply them in a very real, practical way in our lives. If not, they're, they're ethereal, they're nebulous. So on the level of what we'll call Abu Dat Hashem, of serving God, what is the experience of a person in the context of the world? So the, the, so the service is searching. In other words, the soul in the world is searching for meaning, is searching for God in the world, is searching for purpose, and is searching to simply understand what is going on here. So in the world, the soul is searching. That's the service of the soul. But what's the experience of that search? That when the, when the service is purified, the experience becomes, I want to uplift the world. In other words, once the, the soul is oriented in the world, okay, I think... I think I know what I'm doing here, I think, or at least most days. And I think I understand like why God created the world and what we're all doing here, a little bit. And then, okay, now what do I do? So the experience becomes, I want to uplift the world. Here's what we'll talk about, tikkun olam. I want to play my part at least in fixing the world. On the level of souls, the service is serving. When the soul relates to the world, it wants to fix the world. It wants to uplift the world. The soul, when relating to its essence, wants to both serve other people, meaning doing good deeds, but also wants to serve God. And that's why at the end of the Torah, in um, the book of Amidbar Moshe is called Evid Hashem he's called the servant of God that's like the highest compliment that's like the highest adjective that you could give he's a servant of God that becomes the experience as a soul uplifts itself and purifies and clarifies itself it more and more wants to serve a community mankind, family and to serve God the experience of souls when it relates to the world is of connecting now you have to understand everything is inter-included so in other words truthfully you could say about the worlds all three of the words given here for service and all three of the words for experience but the question is what is the primary one so Let's say one soul wants to uplift another soul. 
true. I see my friend a little bit drowning. I want to lift them up. But the essence of when souls relate to souls, it's to connect. 